We're going to continue our faith study. We're in Hebrews 12. Uh, we got uh, one more chapter left, 13, and we will uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, 13 gets real personal, so you can read ahead. Uh, he's going to get into every area of your life that we've missed so far. But what we're going to talk about in chapter 12 is being surrounded. He says, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, it sounds ethereal and wonderful and all that, but what, who are these people that are surrounding us? Well, we're going to talk about that. But when you go back to Hebrews 11, we spent four weeks there in Hebrews 11, and we t- it says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, David, by faith, uh, I, uh, Isaiah, by faith, Isaac and Jacob, and, and it tells their story. By faith, Noah built a boat. Then, when you get to the end of that chapter, remember, it's not... It's written as a letter. So when you get to the end of 11, we go right into 12, and he says, Therefore, we are now surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, you probably should have a cloud around you here, too. You should have friends and family to encourage you. You should have church members, small groups, your Bible study. You should have a group here. And then you've got these great people who have gone before us. And then you've got the angelic forces that are outside of all of that. But sometimes we feel like, oh yeah, I'm surrounded all right. But it's not surrounded by good. I'm surrounded by the forces of evil. Well, that's what Satan wants you to think. No, we are surrounded by great women and men of faith who have gone before us, who have made a difference in their life. They weren't perfect. They suffered. They struggled. They had sins. But they're a model for us. They made it to the finish line. Now, the picture there of being surrounded, when you think of surrounded, everybody's, everybody's turned in and either the spears or their guns are pointed at me. It's not what the word means. The word that is used there means that I am surrounded and all of the forces are pointing out at all of my enemies. I am surrounded by God's presence and God's people and God's example so that I can live my life of faith and you can live your life of faith. All right, let's start this thing off. All right, I started, I got a new idea. I got to thinking about this and I thought, I can handle this. So what we're going to do, I know some of you don't think I'm funny. It's all right. You're entitled to your opinion. And I'm going to ask the people beside you to monitor this. So you don't have to laugh. If you don't laugh, it'll cost you $7 for a Bible. You'll be, you will be summarily fined. All right? All right? So the story is this guy was arrested for stealing a coat, an overcoat from a restaurant. And he was brought before the judge. There he is. And he says, I understand that you have been arrested for stealing a coat. He said, no, sir, I did not steal the coat. I did not take that overcoat. I did not steal it. It was a joke. He said, a joke? He said, what did you do with the coat? He said, well, I took the coat to my friend's house. And he said, we talked for a while. And then I went over to my neighbor's and we had coffee. Took the coat there. And then I took the coat over to my house and I hung it up. And the judge said, guilty. Guilty. And the guy said, guilty of what? <laughs> Carrying a joke too far. <clears throat> <clears throat> throat> 
Now, you're on the honor system, so if somebody around you did not laugh, feel free to go ahead and collect the $7. All right, just go ahead and take that in. All right, here's the question that I want to ask today. How much faster would you run if you could hear the crowd? If you could hear Abraham saying, keep going, Joe. Keep going, Mary. Bob, don't give up. If you could hear Noah saying, man, I finished the race, you can do it. If you could hear Jesus saying, come on, Joe. Come on, man. Listen, I can tell you. Because it makes the crowd makes all the difference in the world. Remember, I stood up here for 16 weeks and spoke to empty chairs. No fun. I'm watching guys try to play professional sports to an empty stadium. It's no fun. It's hard without the crowd there, without the noise, without the excitement. And you know what? It doesn't matter to me whether you laugh, hiss, or boo. You're there. You're there. It's feedback. You're live. And we all need to hear the crowd cheering. And I don't think most of us realize how many people are cheering us on. You don't even realize. I was talking to a guy last night who is totally surrounded by Christian friends cheering him on. And he said, I'm all alone. I said, no. And I started naming all the people that I knew that were cheering him on. And he's like, well, I guess you're right. I never thought about that. And I suggested maybe he call somebody back once in a while or text somebody back. Maybe that would help uh, with the process or actually reach out to somebody that is in that circle that is constantly cheering for them. But I'm telling you, part of this whole deal with this this COVID thing is, I, I don't know what, it's not a conspiracy. I know what Satan's plan is and it's to isolate people. Because when you get lonely and anxious and depressed and whatever else, man, Satan will just move in, won't he? He'll move into your thoughts. He'll move into your lives. You'll find yourself doing things, thinking things, saying things that you would have never done before, but you're in isolation. And you forget about that crowd that's cheering you on. We forget the fact that we are surrounded, and we are surrounded so that we can finish our race. Two verses, if you'll stand with me out of respect for God's Word. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, therefore what? By faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Isaac, by faith Jacob. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the founder, the foundation, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can be seated. How much faster would you run if you could hear the crowd? If you could just hear those voices... Because we hear the negative voices, they're easy to hear, aren't they? We hear those negative voices in our head saying, you're not worthy, you're not worth it. You'll never make it, you'll never amount to anything. You've heard other people say those things to you, and those are in your head, and then you've got your own demons that you're battling. And yet, if we could just hear the voices, 
How much more passionately would we follow God? Would we read the word? Would we pray? Would we serve? Would we give? Would we love? Would we forgive? If we could just hear the crowd and know that they're cheering us on to finish the task that God has given to us. And that us part is so important here. Because you cannot run my race and I cannot run your race. Part of our project, we run together. But ultimately, we're all running the race that God has for us. The first thing he says is you have to avoid getting entangled in the vines. You've got to avoid your vines. See, your vines are not my vines. The things that will entangle you may not be the things that will entangle you. But when you look at it, he says, throw off everything that hinders you. The picture is... How many things are we carrying around that are keeping us from running the race? Unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. Maybe you're carrying around money. Maybe you're carrying around pride. I don't know what you're carrying, but he said, it was enough that he said, you need to throw it off. And then the word that gets me in this passage is when he says, it so easily entangles us. Let's go there, shall we? You wake up, and some of you are here today, some of you are watching at home. And you're sitting there, and you're like, you know what? I can't believe. If you'd have told me three weeks ago I'd be in the mess I'm in today, I'd say, you're crazy. Three months ago? Crazy. Three years ago, man, I was walking with the Lord. What happened to me? Here's the deal. When you're standing still, the vines grow around your feet. When you're not following God, if you're not serving, if you don't stay on track, stay on mission, stay connected. That's why small groups are so important. That's why the children's ministry, the youth ministry, that's why all these ministries are so important. So that you and I stay connected and we keep moving and we keep serving. Because when you stop moving, the vines grow around your feet. Let me show you how this works. Years ago, when they built the city of Brasilia in Brazil, it... it, the capital, I think it was in Rio. I'm not sure, but I think it was in Rio. And it just, there was nowhere to go. So they decided to build a brand new city. They went in the middle of the Amazon jungle and they said, this is where we're going to build the capital. And it literally was just jungle. So they built a road out to it and they went to work with bulldozers. They left the bulldozers on Friday. They came back on Monday and the bulldozers, they never found them. To this day, they never found the bulldozers. Look the story up. The Amazon grows so fast that literally trees had grown up over that two-day period and the bulldozers disappeared. They never found them. That's the picture that's being described here. Those vines grow around your feet. Oh, they start off slow. They don't show up as an oak tree. They show up just as a little vine. That's no big deal. I can handle this. And then pretty soon there's another vine. And look... I'll just be real with you. There's really only three vines. They may come in lots of different colors for you and for me. But the vines are power and pride, job, money. They are alcohol, drugs, and they are sex in some form or another. Those are Satan's three tricks. That's all he's got. Your your vine may be a purple sex vine, it may be a pink sex vine, it may be a blue sex vine, but those are the three vines and they entangle you and he writes and he says to the people, throw off what's hindering you and don't let those vines 
that they easily entangle you. It means we got to pay attention because, again, a day, a week, and you're like, well, how did I get here? How did I get to where I'm not going to church? How did I get where I'm not serving? How do I get involved in this sexual mess that I'm in? Or how did I get into this financial mess? I'd have never stolen money, and now I'm in this mess. You Tell me, because when you stand still and you're not passionately following God, I'm telling you, the vines grow and they grow quickly. And everybody in this room and everybody watching online knows it's true. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, In this world, you and I will have trouble. That's a promise. All right? You're looking for a promise of God? We like the flowery ones, don't we? And we like the ones that make us happy. Here's the promise. You're going to have trouble in this world. But take courage because I've overcome the world. So we've already won. We just have to stay unencumbered, throw off what's holding us back, and keep moving forward. You know, when I was a kid, it seemed like every show had quicksand in it. You remember that when, when we were growing up? Everybody's dying of quicksand. You got to get a rope. You got to get a stick. You got to get a snake. You got to get something to pull you out, right? Well, the truth is there's not much quicksand on the planet and where it is, it's only about a foot or two deep. So your chances of dying in quicksand are, let's say none. All right. But it makes, I guess, for good television, good TV. But that's really the picture that's what's being described here. That all of a sudden the ground under us starts going away and we get deeper and deeper and deeper. And he says, you've got to get rid of those vines now while you have the opportunity. Then he says, why, why, do, why am I throwing off the junk? Why am I getting the vines off my feet? Because he said, you need to run the race that has been marked out for us. Your race is not my race. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't, your, your calling's different than mine. You don't have to do my job, and I don't have to do your job. We have different talents, different gifts, different abilities, different amounts of money. You do what God has given you, but you and I have to run the race. Now, it's really weird watching the Kentucky Derby in September. That was a strange experience, was it not? Uh, and, and with no fans, all right? Um, I don't know if the horses noticed there was nobody there, but... It, it certainly felt different to me. But you'll hear them talk about the horses, and the rider's got to know his horse. Is my horse fast out of the gate? If he is, we'll do that and we'll go. Maybe my horse is a better finisher, so I'm going to hold that horse back until we get close to the end. Then I'm going to turn him loose because he's a finisher. you got to know what you're capable of and run your race because your race is not my race. You've got to know what God has called you to do. Your race may not be exactly like mine. What has God called you to do? Because he said, get rid of the vines that entangle you, and then you run your race. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to, how do you want me to serve? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to work on my marriage? How am I supposed to be as a parent? How do I handle this anxiety? Whatever those topics are in your life, you've got to run your race. Here's the good news, okay? You don't have to worry about getting, getting to the tape first. All you have to do is finish. Remember the crowd that's cheering for you? See, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you win. You win. Once you accept Jesus, the race is over. You just got to finish. 
You don't have you don't have to be a hero. You don't have to you don't have to build Noah's ark. You don't have to do anything. You got to finish your race. But Jesus already ensured that you and I win the prize. Heaven is ours. Now, if you've not accepted Jesus, all right, this is made new weekend. All right, the the weather outside it's great today compared to last night. Last night we had power going off. It was a lot of fun in here. Um, but it's made new weekend. So in Palm Bay, uh, talk to David. I think they're going to do baptisms at the church in Deland. They're going to do them at the church. We're going to have baptisms here at six o'clock and then we're moving the beach ones to next weekend. And we'll uh, hope that it's not uh, having a, a major storm then. Um, but if you're ready to accept Jesus Christ, we want you to make that decision. And like I said, we'll be here tonight at six o'clock to do baptisms, uh, here at the church. So if, that picture, if you don't understand what those pictures were that you saw with Thailand, understand the picture is the death and a burial and a resurrection. That's why we sang, ain't no grave. Because when they accepted Jesus, they were buried into the water. And then when they were brought up, they're connected to the risen Christ. And that is the picture of us finishing the race. At that moment, the race is complete. Now all you and I got to do is stay in it. When we stay in the race, God makes sure that we win the race. That's, that's how, this, this, how this, this whole story works out. 2 Timothy 4, 7. We usually save this one for funerals. But Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've kept the faith. Now, Paul didn't finish your race. He didn't finish my race. Paul finished his race. Some of those people cheering you on, aunts, uncles, grandparents that impact, impacted your life, preachers, missionaries, Sunday school teachers, maybe their race is done. Now it's my turn to run the race. It's your turn to run the race. And it's our job to make sure we're bringing on other people to pass that baton too so that the, that the race continues generation to generation to generation in our country, in our city, as well as around the world. That's what this is all about. And then the last part, he says, lock your eyes on Jesus. Now, this is interesting because the idea is setting your focus on what you're trying to accomplish. And I'm not sure a lot of Christians get this. All right, I'm, if I've accepted Jesus, I've already won. I'm already saved. So I don't have to, I'm not earning anything. I set my eye on the prize. What is my prize? Eternity. And because eternity is already set and I know where I'm going, I'm looking right at it. All I've got to do now is be faithful to God along the road. So God, what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? Again, here's what Satan does. Here's a picture. This is out of South Africa. A guy just found this like two weeks ago. This is a uh, 1,442 carat diamond. $44 million, I think. I don't know. Something like that. Can I, can I tell you what this is? All right. I know you ladies. I understand. My wife's got one. I get it. I did my job. Um, it, it, it's coal. It's a piece of coal. Yeah, I understand. It's been refined. It's, it's now in a diamond form. It's a rock. Do you realize that? It's a rock. And the whole inside of the earth's core is completely full of this. If we could cut the earth open, there'd be so many diamonds that they'd be worth nothing. But how many people give their lives for that? See, that's what Satan's counting on. And 
People don't like it when I say this, but I want you to hear me, okay? Because I've heard so many people say this, and I'll just I'll try to pick on everybody the same, so just stick with me. Um, you get a boat, and you say, oh, man, God's blessed me. I was able to get this boat. There's nothing wrong with a boat. I'd love to have a boat. Anybody wants to donate a pastoral boat? I'll share it with the other people on staff, all right? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what will happen. Satan, Satan will let you have that boat if he knows the progress. Pretty soon you're like, you know what? We could go boating on Sunday. We'll get back in time for church. And then a few months later, there's no time for church. And the boat has won. Would Satan give you a boat if he knew that's what would happen? Yeah, don't blame God. Now, it could be a camper, it could be a job, it could be a promotion, you name it. You put anything into that spot and Satan will turn that because all he wants to do is get your eye off of Jesus. Lock your eyes on what? Jesus. Now, what's coming at me? Well, the world's coming at me. Persecution's coming at me. The news is coming at me. Politicians are coming at me. All this junk is coming in from everywhere. But because my eyes are locked on the prize, and again, this is why I need that crowd of witnesses, because we need to remind each other. That's why you meet in those small groups, so you can remind each other, hey, dude, you're, you're getting a little off track here. Why don't you get your eyes back where they need to go? Because if your eyes were on Jesus, you wouldn't have time to worry about a whole lot of this other stuff. And let me tell you something. The only answer to the world's problem, America's problems, what, what I mean, the whole world's a mess. I think we can agree with that. But the only answer to this world's problems is Jesus. And the church is the only one that's got this message. And if we're not standing up boldly and saying, listen, this is not about black, white, Hispanic, brown, yellow, red. This is not about countries. This is about Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate unifier. He is the only way to heaven. And that's the message that the church has got to deliver. But the church, to do that, has got to keep their eyes locked and not let all this information coming in from the sides mess up our heads. Am I making any sense? Let me tell you a story about Ray Caldwell. Here's Ray's picture. Ray played baseball when men were men. Right? I think I can make this case pretty easily for you. In 1920, Ray was a rookie pitching for the Cleveland Indians. And he was pitching in Cleveland one day, and he got hit with lightning. A lightning bolt hit him on the mound while he was pitching. Wham! He's down on the ground. Now, if that happened today, they would probably be out for six years. Um, if you, there's the, the ace pitcher for Philadelphia, if you didn't see the story, you can look it up. I think it's Aaron Nola. He's out for two or three starts because he hurt himself putting his pants on. Now listen, I could do that, but I wouldn't miss two or three weeks. And a hundred years ago, men were men. You, you just would have handled it differently. He's unconscious. They go over. He finally comes to. He stands up. They put him back on the mound. He finishes the game. Seventeen days later, he pitches in Yankee Stadium and pitches a no-hitter. And by the end of 1920, he'd won 20 games and helped the Indians win the World Series. That's when men were men. Now, I'm not picking on anybody else. I'm just telling you. All right. He finished the race. He got up and said, I'm going to finish what I started. 
that's nuts. I mean, you, would you think that would happen today? Of course not. This is what we're called to. And I'll finish with this story. This is one of my favorite Olympic stories. There's years ago, there was a young, a young man that was sent by Tanzania to the Olympics. And Tanzania has no money, had no money then, has very little money now. And they sent this one runner to be, he was going to represent their country. And he got hurt during the race. And literally, everybody else had gone home. The fans had gone home. Everybody went home except one reporter. And the guy just kept limping along until he finally finished. And the reporter said, dude, you're last. The race is over. Everybody's gone. What, what are you doing? Just forget it. He said, my country didn't send me halfway around the world to start the race. They sent me halfway around the world to finish the race. That's what Jesus has called us to do. So I'll ask you one more time, then I'll pray. How much more passionately would you run if you could just hear the crowd? Father, I pray that we would hear today. Those who need to accept Jesus, this would be the day that they find you. Those who need hope, this would be the day they would find it. Those who need to make major changes, get those vines off their legs, this would be the day that they would make that happen. Those who need to start the race, re-engage in the race, maybe the, maybe the COVID story, maybe the political stuff going on has just got our eyes off of you. Help us to lock back in. In Jesus' name, amen.